Welcome to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast, where we discuss OSHA, EPA, safety policy, safety training, employee engagement, and everything in between. Safety is so much more than a technical skill. It's a motivational need. It's a means of engaging your team. Safety is a meaningful business practice that makes a direct impact on everyone in the organization. Hi, I'm your host for the podcast, Dr. Mark French, also known as The Safety Dude. As a certified safety professional and nationally registered EMT, I am excited to share my knowledge and passion from experience in environmental health, safety, security, and human resources. I've worked in the automotive, foods, chemical, nuclear, and e-commerce fields. I'm so glad you're joining me for this episode as we talk through the current issues in environmental health and safety and how they can affect the culture of your organization. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. So happy you could join me this week as we talk through all those wonderful things EHS related and beyond. Yeah, it's supposed to be weekly, isn't it? Yeah, I just kind of got myself on that one. It's been a couple of weeks. I'm sorry about that. Sometimes life gets in the way of everything else we want to be doing. I love doing this podcast. And it's funny when you look back on a week and you go, well, where did all the time go? And just wasn't time there, unfortunately. But happy to be back. Going to keep working on getting a routine because I do really do enjoy this podcast and want to keep evolving it and making it better. And so, again, we're going to start off and we're going to look at the world of COVID and how things are changing in the safety world. And this is going to be a long-term change. There's a lot of talk now that this could run easily to the end of 2021 or even beyond before we have something really functioning in place like a, a robust solution such as vaccinations or other preventions in place. And I mean, that's a big, long case scenario. There's other predictions that this could be a lot shorter But one thing that we have to think about is how are we staffing our EHS departments now? Because a lot of time is invested here, almost full time um, at a site. Just thinking about how we socially distance, how do we keep masks in place? How are we protecting our team? And I know there's a, a lot of work going on there, and I know... Back uh, years ago, there was a staffing model that was created, and it's been validated a couple of times by the American Society of Safety Professionals or engineers back in the day. And it looks at like what extra duties have been added to our safety departments. And COVID has certainly been the big one now and how we're working on it. And so some of the news was really shocking. It was really interesting to read the differences in states and read the differences in how the news is reporting. Some are applauding OSHA's work here recently with how many fines they're putting out and how much work they're doing to to combat COVID and whistleblower claims. And then I flipped to another news article and it was just the opposite. OSHA's not doing enough, should have been doing more. Where is everybody at? And then the one that caught me most interesting And this is from Marketplace.org, part of the NPR world there, where you hear that one. And it talks about that there's proposing cuts to OSHA federally. And that's, to me, doesn't sound like a great idea. 
I don't think this is the time that we should be looking at cutting OSHA because I kind of said that all in the beginning to move toward this. Suddenly our safety programs are, they were full anyway. We were doing a lot. When you think about environmental concerns, when you think about health concerns, noise, typical chemical concerns, you move into the safety part of it, guarding, lockout, um, safety data sheets, all the stuff that's normal and routine. You think about workers' compensation claims, if you're a safety professional that's handling that for your site. And then let's think about security. Are, are you also, do you have that extra S involved? Are you doing security? Now you're also like your health portion has completely been rocked um, by COVID and what we're having to do there and how much time we're investing in it. And looking here and to say, okay, well, OSHA was not, I mean, there was complaints that they weren't doing enough already. Why are we looking at cutting them? Because this is what we need. We need especially the guidance, the enforcement side, we're needed. Uh, take that with a grain of salt, as always, because this is my great debate. And if you've heard me before, this is where I go. There's, there's some OSHA inspectors that come in, they get their job, they're doing it well, and they can tell the difference between a company that's trying and a company that's not trying. And then you turn around and you have those that come in and want to prove themselves or they're graded on how many citations they issue. Like, hey, you're our best performer because you issue the most citations. Well, what does that do? That drives someone to nitpick and not really look at how are we improving the world of safety, but what is it I can find to the I gotcha moment? And certainly that's part of any routine inspection, but maybe we should be focusing more on the education and the, um, the let's get more information out there. Let's get more guidance out there. Let's get more education out there. Let's not cut that. And then the whistleblower claims. I think that's a very important part that was handed over to OSHA. And yet I don't think it was fully recognized how big that was or how much work really needed to go into that. And so now they, they need to look at whistleblower because that is astronomical now, too, for people that are raising their hand and saying, I'm not so sure that my company is protecting me in this time of COVID. And so with that being said, why are we looking at cutting it now? Don't agree with with that. Uh, I, and there's not a lot of times I jump in there and say I agree or disagree. But this one here seems a little bit short sighted from the standpoint of what we're in right now and like more now more than ever, I could use some help in from the OSHA team in understanding what they want from us, especially can we have a robust publication of explaining what will meet the standard for bloodborne pathogen? What is going to meet the standard for really definitive record keeping. I think that's still a little bit iffy. They've had some good FAQs out there, um, but still not as definitive as, as I think it could be. And for respiratory protection, what does that look like? So how do we, what are those practices that, what are the minimum that we should be setting as far as making sure that we're compliant? But then what are some best practices? How do we take it above and beyond? And I know there's separate parts of OSHA like NIOSH that should be under the CDC that are under the CDC. And how is their funding going? So I understand that funding is not affected by what we're doing with OSHA here. But they rely on that, and we rely on them to work together to publish that information and to use that information. But I don't see where the funding is going anywhere else to help. 
So it'd be different if it was a shift of funding. But it seems like it's truly just they're looking at a cut. Hopefully that won't go through. Um, I think right now we need that more than ever. I know I do. Uh, not just necessarily from an inspection standpoint, but from an educational, from that part of OSHA that does the reach out and the help and the empowerment there. And then we also, an interesting one that kind of caught my eye, and it could be related to COVID. It could be a sidebar. There could be a correlation. Not really going to stand up and say one way or the other, but long-term workers' compensation data and this is from the National Academy of Insurance, of Social Insurance, says that we are expanding coverage pretty significantly for workers' compensation. And this was before COVID, but also thinking forward as we look at the future of still having COVID, maybe for the next year, maybe more than a year. But we're expanding our coverage, but the benefits are declining. So overall, as a national average, we're covering more in workers' comp. We're, we're saying absolutely that's workers' compensation. You can file it that way. But then from the insurance standpoint, it's fewer benefits. Maybe you're not getting as much on return, or maybe the medical coverage is not as great as what it used to be. And maybe the penalties or anything that we're paying out indemnity-wise is lower Maybe there's uh, better fees negotiated for how the payments are being issued to physicians. I know sometimes it is hard to find a good workers' comp physician uh, in certain areas of the United States. So it's very interesting to think that, okay, we're keep, we keep talking about rah-rah. We're, we're expanding coverage and workers' compensation to help our team, to help our employees, to help those that are out there working and that are hurt and that need the benefits. But then overall the benefits aren't as great as what they used to be. Now, certainly there's going to be some, the data is not provided here. It's, this is more of an over aggregate and it is a couple of years old as far as the data they're reviewing. Now the news articles new. the data is a little bit older, but it also really plays into what we're looking at now is that, are we going to continue to expand? Banned benefits to include COVID, but at the back end of it, what will those benefits look like? And will it be on par with some of the others that are in decline? Or maybe this will be the time that it perks back up. Unknown. Interesting thought, but I think it plays very well onto where we're at in the future of what we have to look at in safety is that if we are increasing benefits, if we're having more and more claims that are accepted, for various reasons, whether it be laws or whether it be precedent or however. But how overall is that being paid out? And how much is the total loss? Because sometimes we get so wrapped up in that number. How many claims? How many recordables? How many lost days? How many restricted days? Then on the back end of it, are we really looking at the cost of the company? And are we managing that? And... Yeah, I've been in places where they've looked at that idea that, yeah, you know, you're having more injuries, you're having more claims, but overall the cost of the company is significantly lower. And managing that, or maybe a combination of both. So anyway, we're going to see that continue to change and evolve. We've got some, we've got some work ahead of us as safety professionals, and that's going to evolve, it's going to change, because it's already been a whirlwind year for that. So we'll continue on, and we'll continue to see how this will affect us overall as an EHS organization. 
more podcast in just a moment. TSD Amalgamated, your partner in safety consulting. Find them on the web at tsdamalgamated.com. With over 15 years of experience in various industries, setting up ISO, TS, and RC systems, the professional team at TSD Amalgamated is ready to help you take your safety program to that next level. TSD Amalgamated is skilled in technical and behavioral auditing, from training employees on OSHA compliance standards to helping your leadership team see how safety can help drive real organizational change. TSD Amalgamated is there to be your partner. Their process is not a fill-in-the-blank policy or training process. They want to know your team, your needs, and create processes that create total organizational ownership. TSD Amalgamated, where do you want your safety programs to take you? www.tsdamalgamated.com Welcome back to the second half of the podcast. So this week will mark uh, the coming of Black Friday. Uh, So Thanksgiving weekend, Black Friday, then we move into Cyber Monday, and all that is probably going to be mashed together this year. But that creates some very interesting safety ideas as we move into this period, because safety is taking on a whole different manner this year. And I've seen a couple of articles actually talking about that. And how safety has got to be changing. And so one, the rules, the regulations, the executive orders from all the states are very different. And uh, it's really hard to gauge like where where can you go if you're one of those people who love the thrill of Black Friday shopping, then where are you going to go? Is there an opportunity? How are they limiting um are they limiting people into the stores? Are they? Do they have to? Are you going to have to wear a mask? Are you, where's the social distancing process? If you're running up and putting your hand on that pallet of televisions to claim yours, how is that going to flow this year? How's that going to work? Is there going to be a huge effect? Are more people going to the online shopping this year? I mean, that certainly doesn't have the thrill. Now, Me, being a very strong introvert in the first place, not a big Black Friday shopper. I think I did it once in my entire life, and I was like a late teen, and I wanted to get my girlfriend, now wife, a bracelet that was going to be like a special sale. And I remember standing out in the cold with my dad, and as the doors opened, people rushed in trying to find things. And after that, I thought, man, this is not for me. But then there are people who love it, the thrill of the chase, the the game of the hunt, of finding that deal. And this year is going to be different. And earlier on, I mean, some time ago, almost a decade probably, where there were some fatalities on Black Friday, where workers opened doors and were trampled to death. And now there's been safety precautions, hopefully, put into place or should have been. Some pretty good fines came out of that, some negligence. And let's take one step back there. That's one of the things about Black Friday that that blew my mind. That In some of these cities where someone, where crowds and crowds of people can walk across, and I get there's a flood of people, there's pushing, there's shoving, there's, man, we got to get that TV or that game system 
But there's a herd mentality that comes from that. And here's where we go into my my psychology and what really fascinates me about the entire world of safety is that getting swept up in the moment that there's a human being right there and people are just flooding them, not slowing down, not stopping. And there's probably something crossing someone's mind that says, hey, we should not be doing this. This isn't natural. This isn't right. This doesn't meet our social contract. And yet you're swept up in the 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 moment. You're swept up in the emotion of it. You're swept up in the the entire everyone else is kind of creating that energy that you can go in and someone can be trampled to death and it's far and over before someone actually recognizes and sees it. And that's what we look at in safety is that there are times where we're swept up in the moment that there's those unsafe acts that maybe it's a production deadline. Maybe it's a bad quality issue. Maybe it's finances that we need to move this stuff faster. We need to make these widgets so much faster and we get swept up in it so much that we forget that we have to be safe. And that's where we have to manage safety actively. There has to be an active presence. There has to be, on the opposite side of this, the devil's advocate that are telling people, reminding people that we are human beings and that our safety is important and the safety of the people around us are important. And we cannot allow this to happen. We cannot allow this serious injury and death to occur because we have been swept up in the moment. It takes someone to diffuse and not necessarily damper the energy. We want people to be fired up for great sales. That, that's part of marketing. We want people in the workplace to be fired up for good quality product. That secures our job. We want people fired up to hit a deadline. That's what keeps our customers coming back to us. But we also don't want people to forget that there's a huge priority, and it's always a priority. And that's protecting our team throughout all of that. That if we are going to have that, that fired up quality, we need to be remembering that there's a safety reason behind it. That we're, we're focused on executing flawlessly to getting our product to our customer that we don't forget that there's also a safety premise there that we're not going to sacrifice someone because of that need and that's where it's so important such as like black friday we're coming up on that that the stores remind people that yes there are still some things for sale they're going to be great you're going to have a good holiday hopefully because you, you found something that you really wanted this year and you found it on the price you could you needed it for or maybe that thrill of the hunt the thrill of the challenge but we don't want that to get in the way of the fact that there's human beings around us and we need to protect ourselves and we need to protect them and that's what a decade ago, when some of this happened, when the doors opened and people were seriously hurt or injured or killed, we forgot to remind our people. And I think that's an interesting idea because let's look at it both sides. And this is probably a, a typical conversation you have in a workplace. So when we take this macro environment and then we, we bring it to a workplace, this is a very similar argument. Why should I have to remind people of something they should know anyway? You shouldn't trample someone to death to get a TV. Yeah, but they did. But it really did happen. People 
broke the doors and knocked someone down because they were looking for that deal. And again, that's a decade ago. That was a big box store that that happened in. But I'm sure there was an argument of why do we need these safety features? People should know better than to do that. Is that an argument you've ever heard uh, in your workplace? I know in my history, I've heard it from certain people, supervisors and companies and such, that they should know better than that. We should just know not to stick your hand in that. You should know not to go into that area. You should know not to follow our process or procedures because it could get you hurt. Yeah, but what other circumstances? What is creating that social mentality? What created the social well-being? What created that psychological stimulus that everybody's doing it? I'm going to do it too. That's why we have to put the pedal to safety and keep it there. We have to keep that meaningful communication, that meaningful methods, that hands-on approach. Because when things get chaotic, when things go different, when things are faster and more intense than what they should be, we have to remind our team that there is more going on than just that. And this can be used the opposite way, too. You can whip up a frenzy of safety. You can get the rally cry going for safety, for finding hazards, for fixing hazards, for doing those things safety. And, man, that's the kind of item you want to whip up. You want to get people fired up for safety. And that's something that you can use that same mentality, you can that same social psychology to make that argument that we should be whipping people up for safety. We should be getting that energy fired up because not only are we going to do it safely, but we're going to get that quality and we're going to have that, that process. So I, I love the idea of you don't think about the, but think about the, and, and I don't mean B U T T. I mean, B U T the one that makes an exception. <laughs> so think about, and it doesn't have to be, good quality, but we, we sacrifice safety. It doesn't have to be all safety, but we sacrificed the way that we manufacture. It should be. And we are a team. How do we open our stores and protect our team? Now let's look at what's going on recently. So man, I was fired up for that. I love that though. That that's what we do. And that's where we make breakthroughs is when we figure out that social psychology, that, It takes every one of us working that way. But this year is going to be different too from a safety standpoint because how do we also manage all those physical hazards? How do we handle the COVID issue? So we talked about that earlier, COVID changing everything. It's going to change Black Friday. How do we protect our people when they're shopping? How do we protect our team when now we're going to be um, producing and shipping a lot more. I think we're going to see the warehousing business and the e-commerce really boom this year because I'm not even really sure who's open for Black Friday or what restrictions will be there for Black Friday or how it will affect anything. And so people may turn more to the online commerce. And I think if you look at the stock market, you're probably seeing that predictions already kind of coming true. But how are we going to protect our team there too? How are you going to protect the workers that are having to be there to help control the crowd? So now it's not just controlling your average shopper. It's helping influence the the hyped up, ready for the action, ready for that great deal shopper. How do we influence them to still protect 
from a COVID standpoint? How do we protect that? How do we create those protections and that information while still meeting the needs of our shoppers? Because they call it Black Friday for a reason. I mean, this is one of those times of the year where a lot of companies bank on that big boost to get them at the end of the year, to close out the, the calendar year, maybe the fiscal year on good terms. And we can't forget, though, that safety, our team, our workers, even the customers, we got to find those protections. So I hope this year, whatever you're doing for, for Black Friday, whatever you're doing for the holidays, Think about it. Think about the best way. Think about the safe way. If you're a supervisor or a manager or something like that, how do we not only get the message out of all the other things we're doing, but how do we make sure we create that safety presence, that active safety participant, that little that little angel that sits on the shoulder and reminds people about safety? Because it's not something that we can just pretend will be automatic. It won't be. We have to think about the way that we communicate it, the way that we implement it, and the way that we will help protect our team through this holiday season. So again, thanks for listening. If you don't mind, I am on iTunes Podcast. If you could surf on over there and maybe give me a five-star rating, I'd certainly appreciate it. Until the next time we talk, stay safe. Thanks for listening to the Leading and Learning Through Safety podcast. Join the conversation on the internet at www.thesafetydude.org or on Twitter at thesafetydude. As always, all opinions are my own and not affiliated with any business entity. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It is not a substitute for proper policy, appropriate training, or legal advice. I always encourage you to learn more about safety regulations and examine the facts with your unique perspective. This has been the Leading and Learning Through Safety Podcast.